Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today, Jen, are we going to the quantum realm or what? Yes. What are we talking about this today? This looks like a cool place. It does, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. Quantumania. Now that is a comic booky name if ever there was one. <laughs> so, yeah. So... Here's so the thing. is this quantum realm an actual place in the comic book? Or is this like no. movie? This is stuff? movie universe. I was I was trying to piece this together, and I can't find any actual proof that this is the case. But in the comics, they have something called the negative zone, which is something that the Fantastic Four discovered. As far as Earthbound people, they discovered it. And it's a place where like a character named Annihilus comes from. So that's where kind of Kang being in the, in this quantum realm made me think of like Annihilus being in the, the negative zone and being discovered by the fantastic Four. So this feels, this felt like a very fantastic four type movie to the point where I was expecting the people to have trapped Kang in the negative zone to have been the Fantastic Four from the 60s. Mm. Like somehow in the 60s, they trapped Kang in there and they've been trapped in there with him, but they decided to go a different route with it, obviously. So, and and here's where, and that's where my familiarity with the negative zone ends. Because I was not a big Fantastic Four reader, I was not a big Avengers reader, I was much more an X-Men, Spider-Man, Hulk reader. Those were my main... That was my trifecta, as far as Marvel comics go. I had other stuff from DC, but you know. Sure. So, I guess the quantum realm, I'm not familiar with. I don't believe that it is a place in the 616 universe. I believe it is only in the MCU. Now, listeners. Yes. If you know differently, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us. Yes, that would be great. I would love... In fact... I would love to talk to someone who knows a little bit about the quantum realm in the comics, if there is such a thing. I don't think there is, though. I really don't. And I don't know the answer to this, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Which is why I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) So we've seen both of the other two Ant-Man movies. I have seen the other two movies, yes. I have not read any Ant-Man comics. The majority of... Again, the majority of the Avengers stuff that I've read were, you know, have been, it's been in spurts. Like here and there, there have been like arcs that have interested me. There was an Avengers uh, disassembled arc that Brian Bendis did. God, almost 15, 20 years ago now. Oh my God, it's been a long time. And then there was the Jonathan Hickman Avengers run, which I, I absolutely adore. I love the the Hickman Avengers run. And then there was the Ultimate Universe Avengers, the Ultimates, which had a very different Hank Pym and a very different Janet, Janet Van Dyne. But I really don't have a ton of comic book knowledge. Now, I do, I do have some stuff that's kind of seeped in into my brain via other crossovers and that sort of stuff. So maybe I'll be able to answer some questions as we go along. But for the most part, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants when it comes to the Avengers. So, Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So why don't you give us the cast and crew for Quantumania? All right. This was directed by Peyton Reed. He actually directed the first two. So he did all three of these Ant-Man movies. Mm. This was written by Jeff Loveness. Now, are you familiar with his name? 
You know, I feel like I haven't done my research. I did not look him up. I'm not familiar with the name. So he has written some of the Rick and Morty episodes. Oh, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense then. Okay, and, fair enough. And Yeah, I was doing a little research of my own and kind of watching some, you know, behind the scenes video stuff. And there was a lot of comparisons going back over to the Rick and Morty show. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I can 100% see it. Okay. All right. And I believe, is Ant-Man created by Jack Kirby? Is that the crea- comic creator for him? Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and and Jack Kirby okay. all had a hand in creating different versions of, of, of Ant-Man. I'm pretty sure Larry Lieber did the Scott Lang Ant-Man, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby did the original Ant-Man, the Hank Pym. Okay. So we get Paul Rudd back as Scott Lang, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van Dyne, Michael Douglas as Dr. Hank Pym, Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne, Catherine Newton is new in the series. She plays a grown-up Cassie Lang. Well, sort of grown-up. She's a teenager. And we have Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Jonathan Majors is going to be in Creed Three. Which, I just saw a trailer for that, I didn't realize he was going to be in it, and now I really want to see that. I wanted to see it before, but damn, Jonathan Majors is a good actor. He has a presence to him. He does. Like, you're just drawn to him. He, Yeah, I don't know. I thought he was impressive on the screen. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to mention about Peyton Reed, I feel like Peyton Reed would be perfect for a Fantastic Four movie. I don't know if he is assigned to that, but I don't know if they've even picked a director for that, but I think they should, I think they should get Peyton Reed to do a Fantastic Four movie. Here's why. Peyton Reed did a movie called Down With Love, which was a 60s like love story and Fantastic Four is very much the love story of Reed and Sue and their family. But it also has deep roots in the 1960s. So if Marvel, if I had my druthers, Marvel's, Marvel would do, would have introduced the Fantastic Four in this movie. They would have introduced them as people that were trapped in the quantum realm. And then they could have done a prequel where it was Fantastic Four, where you saw them as superheroes, as fledgling superheroes in the 60s as they were trapping Kang in the quantum realm. That's how I would have done it. Because the the aesthetic that Peyton Reed brings to that movie Down With Love, which isn't the world's greatest movie or anything like that, but I love I love the the aesthetic of that movie. It's kind of a throwback to like 60s romantic comedies. And he has a, it, it just, it's got a really good, like, feel to it. It feels like a Rock Hudson Doris Day movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that if anybody would be able to do the Fantastic Four in the 60s, it would be Peyton Reed. All right. Should we talk about what happened in this movie? Yeah, let's talk about this movie. So Scott Lang has been enjoying greater recognition for helping the Avengers save the world during the events of Avengers Endgame. He's noticed that people smile at him more and they want him to want him to take pictures with his dog or with their dogs. They want to give him free food. 
Well, sort of. They want to give Spider-Man free food. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really <laughs> nice of them. And he's he's willing to accept it, even though they do mistake him for Spider-Man. Right. So he's also written a memoir about his experience with the Avengers. What was that What was that book called? Do you remember? Look Out for the Little Guy Look or something? Look Out for the Little Guy. Yeah. Yep. Which, by the way, is going to be a real book. It is. I saw it on Amazon. It's on Amazon I saw the now. Yep. pre-order or something on there on Amazon. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it comes out in October. I'm sure it's going to be end up being a Christmas gift for you. So, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Crush fingers. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Hope Van Dyne has taken control of Pym Enterprises and has been using Pym particles to further global scientific research, which is a huge stretch for Evangeline Lilly as an actor. What? No. Yeah, you know, not going there. Not going to go there. Do you want to talk about it? She's an anti-vaxxer. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she's an anti. I was like, wait, a, what? <laughs> a rampant anti-vaxxer. She's and she's she's trying to shroud it as, oh, it's personal choice. No, no, no. That's it's still. I don't want vaccines because I'm worried about the effects of the vaccines, even though it's been scientifically researched and it's you know blah blah blah. But her being. Her being someone who is involved in all this scientific research, Evangeline Lilly, playing a character who is involved in all this scientific research, takes a great amount of personal stretching for that <laughs> character to work. I I can see that now. Also, I kind of appreciated seeing this whole author of a book thing because it was like, oh, this is how Avengers make money in the off time, you know? <laughs> no, the, see, okay, the truth is, <laughs> Back in the in the real Marvel universe, not the gatekeep or anything like that, but in the comics, Tony Stark just pays everybody a salary. Oh, okay. So, so that's how the Avengers make money in the off season. Okay, with that. So, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. Not that I've like sat and like kept me up at night or anything, but you know, every <laughs> once in a while, well, I'm a tax preparer. I'm an accountant. I think of these things. Where's like, the money coming like, from? How do they pay their bills? <laughs> Follow the money. You're obsessed. You got to find. You're you're trying to find the next Al Capone, right? Is that what you're after? No, like Tony Stark is the next Al Capone. <laughs> right. <laughs> or are you going to go all Ben Affleck in The Accountant and start sniping people? I really don't want to do either one of those Ah, oh, come on. Where's the adventure? Anyway, so you mentioned- You've seen, you've, you've seen me do shooting practice. How good would I be at that? Not <laughs> no, very. <laughs> should just call you Jennifer Left Eye Davenport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at a book signing one day, Scott gets a call from the police, and he and Hope rush to the station where they find Scott's semi-estranged daughter, Cassie, has been arrested for protesting police brutality against homeless encampments in San Francisco, which I'm sure sent all the anti-woke people into a tizzy. The, any Marvel movie that comes out nowadays, people get a sh- get, get like a wild hair up their ass that they're being woke. Brr, go woke and go broke, right? Which is really funny considering this movie, which didn't have the greatest ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, still managed to make like $200 million in its first weekend. That's not going broke, guys. That's not going broke. You know, I if think it they're bothers onto you, maybe just don't watch it. There watch you go. Watch something right? that you like to watch. George Carlin famous, famously said that a minister from Mississippi named Donald Wildman had sent a letter to the, the head of the FTC saying, or FCC, excuse me, saying that he was offended by something on the radio. And George Carlin said, you know what? There's two knobs on the radio. One of them turns the radio off and the other one changes the station. Guys, if you don't like it, turn it off or don't go to the movie. (laughs) That's as simple as that. Don't sit there and whine about it if you don't want to watch it. Don't bother. Just don't watch it. How about that? 
It's amazing. Which is funny because I sit here and bitch about movies that, that I'm watching, but I'm doing this for entertainment value. People like to listen to me bitch and moan about movies because I get a little wacky about it, but whatever. I kind of liked this whole thing. I, I liked the fact that she was taking a strength that she has and trying to put it to good use. I, uh, You know what? I appreciate that they're, they're putting real world things into it because it speaks to the original Marvel comics in that they felt like they were of our world. So this feels like it is of our world because right now... The police are kind of, kind of, the police are just like shutting down homeless encampments. It firmly puts it into our world. It puts the MCU into our universe, which I appreciate. Sure. It's kind of like, you know, Spider-Man swinging around New York instead of Gotham, you know? Right. It's a real city. It's a real city. You can see it happening. You can walk Mm -hmm. up and see the Chrysler building anytime, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. on the ride home, Scott learns that Cassie has been tinkering with her step-grandfather's work with the help of Hope and Hank. And she shows everybody what she's been working on at dinner one day, which is a device that sends signals to the quantum realm. This makes Janet have a panic attack, and she shuts the device down, but the device reactivates itself and then sucks everyone in the room into the quantum realm. Now, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Why did it stop there? This thing was sucking everything in, right? Yeah. Papers, people, ants, everything was getting sucked into there. Was there enough of a single, was there enough of a signal that it could tell it got the people they wanted and shut it off? Or I don't know. I don't know how that works, I guess. Maybe. Okay. Because it is, we do find out that there was somebody there that Mm -hmm. was, that was using it to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Modoc used it. Modoc. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to say his name because that was in the like coming up soon. But geez, all right, fine. I will ruin it. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess the assumption could be that Modoc shut it down after he got the people that he was looking for. Right. But it didn't. They never spoke to it. They never said, "Hey, you know, I, I, I once I had you guys, I shut it down." Because think about it: if she has this singularity forming. <laughs> in the middle of their house or basement or wherever it was, it could just potentially keep sucking things into it. Yeah, it could. It, it seemed to me like it was being controlled yeah. by MODOK and that once once he got what he wanted out of the normal world or up here world, I don't know what you want to call it, <clears throat> he stopped the signal. Hmm. That's how I read it anyways. I guess I didn't think of it any further than that. This, but now, I think you are right. I mean, if you left it on, it could have probably just kept sucking stuff in. Right. Now, I had that question early on. Later on, we find out that, you know, that MODOK was the one that was responding to the signal. So I could see how you could make that connection later on. But right off the bat, it's a little odd to be like, okay, well, why isn't there more stuff getting sucked in? Why isn't uh, there a cabbie in there? Sure. You know, like, I, I, you know, I see that. I didn't even think of it, though. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is happening. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Scott and Hope are split up as they go after Cassie and Hank and Janet, respectively. And Hope, or Hope, Hank, and Janet get accosted by local inhabitants, but Janet surprises her family by having a laugh with one of the creatures after cutting off its arm. And then it turns out they're kind of old friends. And she manages to procure a flying creature for them to not have to walk to wherever that was that they're going. I don't remember where they were going, but 
maybe they were trying. I think they were trying to follow Scott's signal, right? Isn't that what they no, were doing? No, they were trying to find the Bill Murray character. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, they were going to go to that bar. To- yep. Yep. Because they said he would know right, where right. they were at. Meanwhile, Scott and Cassie are found by other inhabitants of the quantum realm who are kind of rebels. After they drink a red ooze that is later revealed to be from one of the creatures named Veb, the Langs are able to communicate with the locals. Rebel warrior Gentora is worried that Scott and Cassie's presence will draw the attention of someone they call the Conqueror, which now that we've talked about the cast, we know that that's Kang. This is further exasperated by Scott and Cassie mentioning Janet by name. So this whole, like, up up until we see Kang in here, mm-hmm. they talk about Kang a lot without saying his name. Like, it, it was almost kind of weird after a while. I was like, why are you just not saying the name? It was, is it supposed <laughs> to be some kind of surprise? Because we all know he's in this. Right. It, this is what I think Marvel is terrible at. And, and it's this. It's marketing. Like, they're really good about getting people to go to their movies, mm-hmm. but they give away the ghost every it, time. It would make more sense if they didn't tell us who the bad guy yeah. was. Like, we didn't know Kang was in it. Okay, now the dialogue makes sense. Bury but... the lead for crying out loud. <laughs> but I just like, why are you, like, skirting around this name so much? Yeah. Yeah, they're acting like it's supposed to be a big reveal. <laughs> right. But, like, it's not. <laughs> I mean. I just thought it was funny. I was like, yeah. wait, why, why aren't they just saying it? It makes me think of, okay, it makes me think of Star Trek Into Darkness, which is the second movie in the rebooted Star Trek movies. And they had Benedict Cumberbatch playing a character named John Harriman, I think. And everybody was convinced that he was Khan because it was Star Trek II. Everybody was convinced he was Khan, but J.J. Abrams and everybody involved was like, no, there's no Khan. It's not Khan. It's a new, totally new character. It's not Khan. But then there's a scene halfway through the movie when they've got him in the brig and he's like in this very dramatic way. He's like, my name is Khan. And everybody in the theater's like, yeah, we know. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, duh, duh. chirping in the background. (laughs) Yeah. And? And? (laughs) My name is Khan. No, it's not. (laughs) You're not the real Khan. I know Khan, sir, and you, sir, are no Khan. Anyway, that's what it made me think of, is this whole, like, you know, oh, yeah, okay, big deal, right? So anyway, Janet leads Hank and Hope to a bar, which we talked about. Where they get to drink another a similar mixture to what Scott and Cassie drank, and now they can communicate with people again. They meet with Bill Murray's character, Lord Krylar, who is an old friend of Janet's, and she and he's now working with Kang. Though he's the fabled conqueror of the quantum realm, the one that they didn't want to talk about. Yeah, they still didn't, and they even then, they Kang. still haven't said his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Pims end up fighting their way out of the bar when Krylar tries to abduct them. And they steal his ship and they take off. So this, I think, is the first scene in this movie where I started getting a real Star Wars vibe. Was it because it was a bar? I think it was a bar. Space bar equals Star Wars? And you have the creatures in there and you got the music going. And I automatically, whenever I see stuff like this, automatically go to Star Wars. Because that's the first (laughs) movie I ever saw 
with a scene like that. With a space bar in it. Yeah. Yeah, space, and space so pub. And so that's what my brain goes to. But there's other things in here, too, that m- makes me think of Star Wars. Now, I don't think this is based off Star Wars, or I don't, th- I don't think that, but... It no. makes me think of Star Wars when I watch this movie. Sure, I think it has that. I think it has a certain aesthetic to it, where you've got fanciful-looking creatures. You've got, you know, you got a broccoli head man. You got a broccoli head man. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And then there. later, when we see King's army, they're all in lines and rows, like you see the stormtroopers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, or there's... the I cyc- cyclone. What are the, what are those things? Clone troopers. Clones? Wasn't there a Clone War where there's a whole bunch of like like things that look the same and they're all in lines and stuff? Clone troopers. Clone troopers? Is that <laughs> yeah. what it is? Yeah, the I clone troopers become start become stormtroopers. I've seen like three of the Star Wars movies, but I've seen like little clips of it, and I, it reminds me of that stuff. <laughs> clone troopers are the ones that you're thinking of. There's also droid the droid army in the first movie. Well, they're in the first and second movie, really. Third movie too, but they're. <laughs> But the types of shots that you're talking about are mainly in the first movie with the droids, and then the second movie, it's the clones where they're doing that. Right. So I think between those two things, that's kind of where I was getting a little bit. And then, two, this has a very outer space feel, even though I know it's not outer space. It's inner space. Yes. This is not outer space, but it has that kind of feel to it. So I I think that you get your alien-like creatures. I don't know. It just made me think of Star Wars for some reason. Yeah. Get me Dennis Quaid, because we're going... In. Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> no, I don't Inner know. Interspace? Interspace? You've never seen the movie Interspace? It's Dennis Quaid, and I want to say Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short, Meg Ryan, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, it's- I'm a, surprised it's, I haven't seen it. I love Martin Short. He's a he's a test pilot, and they, they shrink him down, and they he ends up injected into a store clerk, who is Martin Short. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a movie. Okay, it's I've never movie. seen it. I I don't even know that I've heard of it. So you you should you should I think you should watch it because you like Martin Short because he gets to do Martin Short stuff. Yeah, he gets to be Martin. He's Short. Martin Short in his Martin movie. Short yeah. is played by Martin Short <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's directed by Joe Dante, the guy that did uh, Gremlins and, and Howling and stuff like that. Okay, so very eighties, okay. very eighties movie, very eighties movie. I think it came sure. out in eighty six, eighty seven, something like that. Okay, yeah. Good flick. Good flick. Well, amusing flick, at least. How about that? Anyway, <laughs> that's, what this made, that's what this made me think of is inner space. They could shrink down and they go into a, a whole other world, but they're not in somebody's body, which I guess, thankfully, because everybody was thinking he was going to go up Thanos' butt in, in Avengers Endgame, right? <laughs> that would have been inner space. Different type of inner space, but inner space nonetheless. Anyway... <laughs> Boy, are we getting off track on this one. Yeah, We're in yeah. Thanos' butt all of a sudden. Let's Thanks to Richard. We'll wrap it back up. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> I'm the one that came up with the Thanos' butt thing, right? That was not me, by the way. That wasn't me. I'm just quoting the internet, guys. Quoting the internet. I can imagine that came about because of stuff that happened in the boys' comics. The boys' comics? No. That never, what happened in the boys' TV show did not happen in the comics? I mean, I've got the comics right over there if you want to verify, but I'm pretty sure nobody nobody shrank down and crawled up somebody's okay. wang in the boys' <laughs> comics. Okay. Well, there it were did other crazy in the things. TV show. Yeah. There were other very crazy <laughs> things that happened in the boys, but I do not remember anyone crawling up somebody's ding-dong in that, so. All right. Well, 
I stand corrected then. People came up with that all on their own. <laughs> <laughs> or they were inspired. I mean, it's Seth Rogen, so... <laughs> this is a guy that made a movie about a hot dog and called it Sausage Party. <laughs> so... Oh, God, where are we? So Scott and Cassie's new friends, the rebels who oppose Kang, are soon attacked by the Conqueror's forces, including MODOK, a mechanized organism designed only for killing. Cassie reveals that she has a supersuit, and the Langs are accosted by MODOK, who reveals himself to be Darren Cross, the bad guy from the first Ant-Man movie. He has survived his fight with Scott at the end of that flick. But basically, he became subatomic. The experience of going subatomic left him with a huge head and tiny body. And he was engineered by Kang to allow him to survive. All right. So what's your experience with MODOK in the comics? He's mostly a joke in the comics. Okay. Well, he's kind of a joke here, too. Yeah. He's mostly a joke. I mean, nobody takes MODOK seriously. He's a giant floating head, for crying out loud. Most experience I had with him was in some early, not early, but 70s Hulk comics, where he was treated as kind of a joke. And, I mean, I can't imagine him being taken seriously. The The way that I thought of him was I thought that they were going to, because they, Arnim Zola in the, I want to say it was a Winter Soldier movie, became what I thought was going to be MODOK, where that he was just going to be like a computerized AI version of Arnim Zola. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought that would have been a cool way to do it. Mm -hmm. But here they go with a literal interpretation of MODOK, which is just batshit crazy. It works in a video game. It works in comics if you're treating it like silliness. But this... I think it... I think it kind of works because you're in the quantum realm and you got all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Now, if this was on Earth, I think this would be way too weird. Here's the thing, though. Like, the special effects on his face... It was weird. It was very blurry. so bad. It's got to be some of the worst effects I've ever seen in a major motion picture like this. It, like, like, it was stretched out and weird looking. It was... Just not good. It was I just not good. I wonder if some of that was good. on purpose, though. Just to, I mean, it, he's supposed to look I, look look obnoxious. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, well, it well, didn't play that way. How about that? Well, the writer and the director, they were trying to figure out how to bring the Pims and the Langs into the quantum realm, and how King would possibly know about the Ant Man family because he King would know Janet. But he wouldn't know where they've progressed after Janet left. Except that, except that he says when he meets them, I've killed Avengers across multiple timelines. He could have at some point met a Scott Lang. And right, that but, Scott Lang could have had other people in that group. Right. But that doesn't mean he knows these people. True. But I mean, he's so got to. Anyways, yeah. they figured that that would work well. Because they could use Yellow Jacket's implied fate from the first film as the mechanism to bring the Ant-Man to the quantum realm and explain why Kang was so familiar with this family. And then, you know, if you kind of remember back, the first film, he does kind of shrink up. Like, he first loses one arm and then the other arm and then, like, kind of the bottom goes up and stuff. So, 
I don't know. It kind of plays. I mean, it, it could make sense. I thought it was weird when I first saw this. I'm like, what the hell is this supposed to be? <laughs> I don't get this. Yeah, that was... Very weird. That was, yeah, that was... Yeah, it, it, it was It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. I, this, I, I, I'm going to be honest, this was a problem for me. Modoc was a problem for me because how bad it looked. I, if you want to have Darren make it back, I mean, you could still have the same... You could have the same effect if... If Darren, if Yellow Jacket was trapped in the quantum realm without him being the floating head Modoc, because what you're doing is you're you're just ignoring what they've set up with the Winter Soldier, first of all, with that idea of Artem Zola becoming Modoc as an AI, mm-hmm. which you could bring back. I mean, Toby Jones is a great actor. You can make you can bring him back, mm-hmm. you know? So you're kind of ignoring that. Which I guess isn't a big thing. I mean, comics, they ignore continuity all the time. But the other problem that it presents is that it just looks bad. And you alienate part of your audience by making it. I mean, people in our theater, people were laughing at it. And not like in that, in that, haha, that's so funny, but more like, are you serious? Kind of way. You know what I mean? Mm, I didn't take it. I, no, I thought people were enjoying it. I no, thought, yeah. I don't know. It I felt don't know. like they weren't. <laughs> You may feel that because you weren't, so you're maybe thinking, oh, they're with me here. Maybe. And maybe. maybe they weren't. I don't know. Maybe. I was not asking questions when people were leaving the theater. <laughs> well, whatever the hell Modoc is, he brings the Langs to Kang. He does. Meanwhile, in the stolen ship, Janet explains to Hank and Hope why she freaked out about the quantum realm signal thing that, that Cassie had put together. And it's because she had met Kang when he crashed in the quantum realm and he kind of presented himself as a benevolent traveler and she helped him repair his ship so that the two of them could return home. But when she touched the ship's core, which is powered by Kang's thoughts, she witnessed the truth. Kang is a merciless villain who's been destroying entire timelines, wiping out planets. And in a last ditch effort to stop him from escaping, she steals the core and uses the Pimtech discs to blow it up to a massive size, trapping her and Kang in the quantum realm. So while there, while she, after she tells her story, we cut to Scott and Cassie meeting with Kang. He tells, this is where he tells Scott, look, I've killed Avengers from all over the timeline, all over the multiverse. Confuses him with the one with the hammer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He coerces Scott into getting the core back to its original size by threatening to kill Cassie if Scott doesn't apply. So Scott, of course, agrees. It's his daughter. And he ends up getting dropped into the core where he invo- he encounters a thing called that MODOK calls a probability storm, which was kind of cool. I mean, it's basically every version that could be of Scott Lang in that situation mm-hmm. at that time. And they're all like confused as to, you know, what, you know, what the others are doing there. But when they eventually, when they eventually work together, they work as ants, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really neat. I thought it was a great visual. I thought that that was a, a really cool way to explain like this probability storm or give, to make, to give Scott a a way to get to this core. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, th- yeah. I thought that was cool. I liked it too. I thought it was 
I thought it was visually neat to look at. Mm-hmm. I also liked how they threw in some Scott Langs that worked at Baskin Robbins. Yeah. Because I'm sure in some forms or some realities, he probably is working at Baskin Right, Robbins, yeah. So. I'm sure there's a universe out there, a multiverse out there that he still works at Baskin Robbins, you know? Right. He's yep. the manager of the month or whatever. So, yeah. The Pims arrive out in the quantum realm and Hope has been because Hope basically had gotten a reading from Scott's suit and so they they end up traveling to where Kang is and she leaves the ship to help Scott and together they shrink the core down but then Kang shows up to take the the core from Scott and he takes it and he takes Janet with him ordering Modok to destroy the stolen ship with Hank in it and uh, Janet calls Kang a monster but he believes that he is the lesser evil. See, there's multiple versions of him who are going around doing atrocities in the multiverse. Apparently, Kang has a predilection for murdering multiverses because every version of him, according to this Kang, is murdering multiverses. And he's not the bad one. But how can he not be the bad one if he's doing the exact same thing that they're doing? I think this is some sort of like confused version of like, it's all about perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. for this Kang, what he's doing is benevolent, but for the other Kangs, what they're doing is benevolent. But well, I'm that's not- just like Thanos. What he thought mm-hmm. he was doing was a good thing. Right. He was killing lots of people. Now, now, yeah. Now, and now, to be fair, this Kang says he's doing what he's doing because there are going to be there's going to be an incursion. Now he said the word incursion, and my toes curled because that is Hickman Secret Wars universe stuff right there. Well, and I think they first started talking about incursions in the MCU and the Loki series, didn't they? I yes. think that's where they they first introduced that terminology. Yep. But this way he's talking what what, what he's talking about is a major event mm-hmm. that's going to that's going to destroy humanity. Mm-hmm. Which if these incursions are the same as they are in the comics, which they may or may not be, but in the comics, the incursions are literally multiverses colliding mm-hmm. yep. and destroying each other. Yeah. So if that's the case, this is a huge preview for Secret Wars, mm-hmm. which is the movie that's coming up after the King Dynasty, which I think is a silly title. So meanwhile, Hank's super smart techno ants that he was developing had been dragged into the quantum realm with the Pims and the Langs. And they arrived to save Hank, and they helped Scott and Hope get to Kang's stronghold, while Cassie uses her super suit to free Jentora and the other rebels that were imprisoned during Kang's raid. Now, I feel like it's very convenient that the ants got sucked into the one area that like they had thousands of years there, and so yeah. they became like super smart ants. Right. Yes. So they. So everybody got sucked into different areas, and conveniently, the ants that come to the rescue are super smart ants now. Because they've had thousands of years thousands of technological of years. Yep. advancement yep. over the course. They show up wearing like bioengineered yep. armor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's a little silly, but it's kind of. It's kind of Marvel space crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Comics oh, I'm, wise. I'm all in on it. That's fine. I just thought, well, this is convenient. Of course it's convenient. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely, of, of course, absolutely 100%. It is convenient, but it works. Yes. The, the, I, I, I thought it was fine. It works because of 
the nature of the source material. And I don't mean because I, I don't know what they've done in Ant-Man comics. I don't know a lot of what they've done in Avengers comics. But when you look at Marvel comics, there is some batshit crazy stuff like this that has happened. I mean, Hulk was shrunk down into a tiny size and lived, he got married to a woman named Jarella. Did he get married to her or was he just in love with her? Either way, he was like, he was, had this whole thing going with Jarella in like this like realm that you could, that like, it was in like a, a, like a, you know, like ship in a bottle. It was in Mm -hmm. like a bottle of the ship. Like, like that was like a thing for like half a year and Mm. like just some really batshit crazy stuff. And of course, Jarella, green. Because that makes sense, right? Because the Hulk's green, and she's got to be green, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Perfect sense. Anyway, there's there's plenty of stuff out there. Look, we have a talking raccoon in the comics and in the movies. Just roll with it. You just got to roll with it. You got to roll with the ants. Not talking to you. I'm just talking to listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Roll with the ants. Yep. So Cassie, after she like gets... Gentora free, she takes control of Kang's broadcast tower and uses the broadcast to encourage the downtrodden to fight Kang. She says, there's more of us than there are of him, and he can't stop us all. This is 99% versus the 1% stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the ultra rich versus everybody else type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This like, There's even a thing earlier on where I think it was... I think it was Cassie that said, just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. The, it's this quote-unquote woke stuff that is getting this movie review, review bombed, I think. Well, I thought that the ratings for viewers was pretty good, and it's the critics that had a low ratings on it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cause so the at- so people haven't gone after this movie. Oh, I thought you'd seen some since you're saying. No, that. I figured. I figured. I oh, mean, I just assumed that they would. Yeah, it's getting eighty three percent from the audience. audience. It, it's the it's the critics that didn't like it. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay, so hey, that means it's critic proof. Oh God. Oh, man. Okay, so there's a couple things that are critic proof. Okay, shitty comedies. And shitty horror movies are critic proof because people are going to like what they're going to like no matter what. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that these are just shitty movies now? I don't think so. I I am always have always been one that I don't always necessarily go a hundred percent off what critics say. Like if I want to see a movie and the critics have said bad things about it and I still want to see it, I'm still going to go watch it. And I will determine if I like it myself. I don't need a critic to tell me if a movie is enjoyable and if it's good for me. You're a movie critic. That's fine. And people don't have to listen to me either as far as if I say a movie's bad, they don't have to have the same opinion. No, absolutely. They don't have to have the so same opinion. So I, I don't think that these movies are bad if critics don't like them because they're still wildly popular. Popular doesn't make them good, though. Okay, you and I have a different terminology of good because you go good technically, and I say good is do I enjoy it? Is it a good movie to me? Okay, but I mean, look, <laughs> cocaine is wildly popular. Does it make it good? Well, for some people, I suppose it does. It's not good for anybody. <laughs> it kills people. You can die from too much cocaine. You can die from too much anything, but it doesn't take that much more regular like that, that doesn't take that much cocaine to kill you or to make you addicted to it. People love cocaine. There are some people that love cocaine. It doesn't make it good. It means they enjoy it. 
that is what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying whether or not I like this movie. I'm simply saying, is this a shitty movie? Do I like it? We'll get there. My my See, urge you, here you is and that... I will probably never agree on this part because I I feel like movies are an art form. Art forms are going to be t- determined good and bad yeah, by each individual person who experiences that art form. So something that I determine to be good or bad is going to be different for you. And yes, I know there's a technical aspect to some certain things and Mm -hmm. a movie could be technically good or technically bad, but this is still an art form. So I still feel like what I feel is good and what I feel is bad is solely determinant on me. I don't care what the critics say at that point. Okay, but if you go out and you say, hey, that's a good movie, you're offering your opinion. Mm-hmm. To anybody that's going to listen to you, you are then a movie critic in a microcosm. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you, you, like, it, doesn't it work better to just say, I enjoyed it, than to say it's a good movie? Because by saying it's a good movie, you're you're positing something, you are saying that you are objectively rating that movie as good. Sure. So if you say, I enjoyed it, that's subjectively saying, I think the movie is good. Or I thought it was good. You could say, I thought it was good. I think, though, that most people see that, and and I know that you're really technical with your verbiage and stuff, but I think a lot of people take that understanding of that movie was good to mean, I think that movie was good. Because I'm the one saying it. So I, I think I've I, ha- I, I I feel like I say if I say a movie's good, it it's or if you were to tell me a movie's good, I take it as you liked that movie. Nah, I think it's to me it's a matter <laughs> of semantics. Absolutely, I agree. It's a matter of semantics, but I think that people need to be a little bit more honest in what they're saying, rather than just saying something is good because that's an objective assumption. Say I think it was good, or say. I enjoyed it or something like that. That's different than saying it's good. Mm-hmm. It is good. Yes, I know I'm being nitpicky and technical here, but it is good is an objective uh, uh, assertion. I think it is good means that you are subjectively saying that something is good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe there is the implied, I think it is good. Mm-hmm. The I think part is, is, is implied, but I don't think it is. I think that everybody, I think that every individual person thinks that they are the determiner of whether or not something is good, but what they're, what they're missing is not everybody has the same tastes as them. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. Think about it this way. There's people out there that think the terrifier is a good movie mm-hmm. and they will literally tell you that's a great movie. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a great movie. For me, it's not a great movie. And somebody that would say that to me, I would think, oh, they love that movie. I've seen that movie. I don't like that movie. Right. But before going into it, you might think, oh, that that's probably a good movie or it could be a good movie, right? Well, sure. If there's a lot of hype on something and a lot of people are saying this is a great movie. Okay. So now I'll bear with like, me. Okay, well, maybe I'll check this out and see what I think. Perfect. So a lot of people saying that a movie is good means that you might check it out. What if those people are actually technically movie critics? 
Sure. Sure. Because you just said that you don't yeah. look at movie critics and see if whether I don't or not always. Going to be good. I I take it with so, a grain of salt. Movie critics, I take with a grain of salt. Everyone just is a like movie critic. Everything else, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. Everyone is a movie critic because you're not necessarily going to agree with what a critic says or a non-critic says. <laughs> That's like gonna, I know certain people. I know certain people who, if they tell me a movie's good or a movie's great. I'll be like, meh, I don't know if I'm going to see that. I mean, I you get to know people, you get to know movie taste, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is, consider the source. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> consider the source, yes. And, and you and I, I, I'm sure people are thinking, why the hell are they talking about this? You and I have had this debate several times. We'll have this debate until one of us is dead. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Because, and, and I, I, will, because I will die on this hill. You, you are very passionate about movies. I am. And, and But here's the thing. I'm also passionate about language and, and, and saying what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like being intentional with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I feel like you're going to have to cut a good chunk of that out of that. I ain't cutting shit. <laughs> that was a long-winded like side tangent we just went off. That's okay. These Marvel <laughs> movies are stuffed with extra shit that we don't need. People don't like it. They can fast Strap forward. in for a three-hour podcast, people. <laughs> We're almost Filled done. Come bloat. on. We're almost done. Stop it. So Cassie, you know, after she tells everybody to, you know, to, to go after them, go after Kang, she ends up fighting MODOK and she defeats him. And then she tells him, you don't have to be a dick. Or don't be a dick, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and this is enough for Darren to be like, wait, don't be a dick. That's it. Oh my god, all this time I'm being a dick. What? what? Like, this all is this a t- weird switch. This is a this is yeah. a completely nonsensical switch. This is a dude who was a megalomaniac from from the jump, and all of a sudden, because some teenager, a giant teenager, tells him, "Don't be a dick," he's like, "Oh my god, I've got it now." It's goofy, but it kind of... somebody told me this years ago. <laughs> if only somebody had said, don't be a dick to me <laughs> years ago. It kind of works, though, because as dumb as they're treating MODOK, his motivations are pretty friggin' stupid, too, right? Yeah. And this change is pretty damn dumb. Yeah. So... And, you know, I felt like Darren in the first movie was an intelligent dude, and he seems very dumb in this one. Yeah. Like maybe because his brain got bigger, he got stupider. I don't know. Well, maybe there's more territory. Bigger, his body got smaller. His head got bigger though. No. Yeah, it did because yeah, he's bigger, bigger than a human being. Yeah, there. Yeah. 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 His head got bigger, so maybe there's more territory for the My neurons to. Brain is bigger than everyone. <laughs> it's terrible. Terrible. So, meanwhile, Kang's forces engage in a counterinsurgency operation, but MODOK, who has been inspired by Cassie's words, as we just talked, fights on the side of the rebels, and he ends up dying in the fray, thankfully, because now we don't have to listen to MODOK anymore. The Langs and the Pims make their way to Kang's tower, where Janet has repaired the core and opened a portal home. Everyone leaves except for Scott. He ends up pushing Cassie through and decides he's going to stay because he's going to keep Kang from leaving. He can't let Kang off of, out of the quantum realm. So <laughs> Scott tries to fist fight Kang and gets, he gets pretty pummeled. I like that he gets his ass kicked because yeah. he is, he is not super strength. He is not like special skills. He has a suit and, you know, he does have some 
fighting practice, but he's definitely not what I would call great at it. Right. So, and Kang is a conqueror. He is supposed to be good at what he's doing. So I do like that Scott pretty much got his ass kicked here. Until Hope shows up, because Hope comes back through when they realize that Scott's not following him. Hope goes back through, and she helps they end up they end up blowing or blowing the uh, portal up or not the portal excuse me the uh, the core and once they've once they use the core they end up pushing kang onto the core and it ends up sucking him down into it so he's sub subatomic now i don't i mean yeah, obviously he's coming like back he's not dead he's not dead yet by the time by the time secret wars is over kang will be dead marvel just kills their bad guys that's all they do so this is what i've heard the most complaining about that Kang is a super strong super villain mm-hmm. and he got defeated by the likes of Ant-Man that's and what the wasp yeah but that's what most people's complaints are that I've seen on the internet about this movie really yeah the problem with that is that when you have I don't know how many of them are comic book readers but in comics in in the character's own titles they typically handle the bad guy. Yeah. You know, even if they're super strong, you know, maybe they've got help, which in this case, Ant-Man does. He's got the wasp there to help him out. Also, hmm. I don't know that he really defeated Kang. I feel like temporarily slowed him down. Sure. Yeah. But I don't think he defeated him, defeated him. Well, then you're, you're actually leading us right into the last part of the movie because Scott's life kind of returns to normal. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of his cheerful day, his mind returns to Kang mentioning how there's a coming threat that's coming to destroy humanity. And he has this moment where he's like, did I just damn everyone? Because I don't, and so I don't think even, I don't think even Scott thinks that it's over. No, I think he does at first, but then starts... Starts to dawn on him until he's just like, nah. Yeah. And keeps moving on. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, I love Paul Rudd. I think he's so fun. <laughs> Paul Rudd is funny. I Did you ever see his first appearance? You probably did. We've, we've seen all the Halloween movies, right? Yeah. He showed up as the adult Tommy Jarvis in one of the Halloween like sequels, five or six or something. I think it was six. Sure, sure. But yeah, anyway. Not Tommy Jarvis. Was it Tommy Jarvis? Yeah, I think it was Tommy Jarvis. Anyway, that was his first on My first role. experience with Paul Rudd is in Friends. Friends? Oh, yeah, he is in Friends, isn't he? Yeah, he, he marries Phoebe. Right, right, right. He's the firefighter? No. No. What is he? God, what know. does he do? He's a piano player. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, whatever. I, I don't know. So he I was in that. What he does. I think the first Anyways. time I ever saw Paul Rudd was in Knocked Up, I think. He's in Knocked Up for a little bit. Okay. I think that's the first time I ever recognized him as being an actor in a movie. Okay. And then he was in Role Models, which I thought was really good. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to see that movie. That, like, it's been a long time since the, I've seen I think that. What, I think when I fell in love with Paul Rudd as an actor was when he was doing the Venti thing. Why don't you just say, why don't you just say large? Why don't you just say large? Because Venti means 20, dumbass. <laughs> like, I, like... He's just such a snarky asshole in that beginning of that movie. I was like, yeah, this guy's good. I like him. He's funny. <laughs> anyway, so the, after the, uh, when we get through the mid credits, the mid credits of it, we get to the Council of Kangs, which make, now it makes sense. 
Rick and Morty has the Council of Ricks. Here we have the Council of Kangs. They're discussing the death of the exiled one, which is what they're calling the Kang from that quantum realm. And they're preparing to send themselves out into the various multiverses as they prepare for war. So in my research, yes. now I have not seen this, but apparently the first few scenes of this match up to comic book pictures in, like, what are those little blocks called? In panels? Comic? Panels, thank you. So it matches up to comic book panels, so it looks kind of matchy-matchy to the comic books. What comics? Oh my gosh! I didn't. I didn't write it down. I oh. just. I. There was just something that was mentioned in one of the interview thingies. I was interesting. Watching, so. I'd love to know which 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 comic, like what what comic they took the panels from. Well, I tell you what, I could probably research it and find out for you. Do that. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd like to actually read the comic because I want to see maybe if there's something that is going to kind of give us a like preview as to what's going to come soon before sure. before the King Dynasty, I guess. Sure. So, and then we get the end credits scene where we get to see another Kang variant whose name is Victor Timely. He's teaching a class in like Victorian England, I think maybe. And uh, Loki and Agent Mobius are in the audience and Loki tells Mobius that this man will be a very dangerous threat. Now, I think this says something about Kang because Loki, even like with Thanos and stuff, was pretty relaxed most of the time like even he was always being conniving he was always trying to come up with something but he seems genuinely frightened of kang yeah so yeah. i feel like this says something about kang so okay but see okay so here's the thing in the comics kang at least as i know him is actually the descendant of reed richards of the Fantastic Four. I was going to talk about that. You here. were. Okay. You so, to, the, yeah, yeah. So, but like he kind of travels all over timeline wise and he does end up back and, and, and takes on the personality of this Victor Timely. So this is a comic accurate Victor Timely. Okay. So he is from an alternate timeline in 3000 AD. 3000 AD. Okay. All right. His name is Nathaniel Richards and he is a descendant of Mr. Fantastic's father who bore the same name. Right. Uh, he Richards. discovered time travel technology that enabled him to journey virtually anywhere he liked in the time streams. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, is that, is Kang then, is he, has he, has he always been Nathaniel Richards? Is that what he is now? He's still Nathaniel Richards? In my comic book encyclopedia, <laughs> it just says his real name is Nathaniel Richards. I don't know. I'm, I I know there's lots of different versions and stuff, so I don't know if it's always Nathaniel Richards because, like, now this is MCU, of course, not right. comic book, but, like, in Loki, Loki isn't always named Loki. I mean, he is a lot of the time, and most of the time he is. Right. But occasionally he is not. Right. Hmm. I, I just... I... Kang has always been a kind of a boring character to me. Like, ooh, he time travels. What's he going to do? Travel more? Like, that's his thing? What are his powers? Does it say anything about what his powers are? Because in this, in the com in the movie, he's shooting lasers out of his hands and stuff. But, like, where did that come from? Where does he get these powers? Is he a mutate like, like, like Reed Richards is? Did he come into co contact with cosmic rays? 
there's something, again, when I was doing my research, they were talking about something with his. I wasn't understanding it and following it, but there is something there. I, I feel like if you look it up, you'll probably make more sense of it than what hmm. I was, because I think it was some kind of comic book talk <laughs> in there, and I wasn't really <laughs> following it. All right. All right. Hmm. It sounded like made up stuff to me, and, you All know, that stuff is made up. It is, <laughs> but... You know me and like you start getting into like the sciencey part of things and then my brain just goes, okay, bye-bye, see you later. It doesn't <laughs> connect, right? So I, I'm guessing so if you looked it up, it probably would make more sense to you. But right. there is like, he's got like some kind of, some kind of power, but I can't remember what the hell it was called. I wonder if it's related to Dr. Doom's power. Because Doom has kind of the same type of like, shooting things out of his hand thing uh, anyway i'll maybe i'll do some maybe i'll deep dive into some kang stuff i don't have the marvel unlimited anymore i wish i did but i would i would read i would read more kang stuff to kind of prep for this new wave and maybe have some more info maybe that's an investment we should make is to go ahead and jump into that again because that could be valuable in the podcast in the future, especially with all these mcu movies involved revolving around kang at this point but yeah yeah who knows? Anyway, so I guess, uh, do you have any other things that you want to talk about? I do have another one I'd like to talk about if you're you done with all uh, your notes. I think, let me just take a quick look here. My my notes had a lot of like, I wish Fantastic Four was more involved in this because this is, very, this is a very Fantastic Four movie. It has that cross universe multiversal well, this guy's supposed feel. to be a descendant of uh, and he's a descendant of reed, reed richards, richards yeah. yeah so like that to me was like man, i wish they i wish he was more involved and maybe he will be maybe he will be fantastic four is part of phase five i just wish that they're not i thought they were nope, nope. we're gonna get to it huh we'll get to it. are I'm they phase talk, six i'm gonna talk to you about okay. it in just a minute it's either phase five or phase six at least the way that they had originally planned it mm-hmm. so that like they were they will eventually get to them but i wish that if they were going to if they were going to introduce them they'd introduce them here what, what a potential cool like version of this would be that kang could be an alternate universe reed richards that you know cuz then you can still keep that richards connection you know mm-hmm. um, but i i don't i i don't know i don't know my only other note was that Michelle Pfeiffer is still gorgeous. She is. Does she have like what does she like bathe in like virgin's blood every every week or something? How the hell is this woman still so gorgeous? Yes, she is stunning. Isn't she still is she like 70 years old? This is like Angela Bassett territory here. How? I I don't know. Good genes, I guess. <laughs> Good genes, yes. Yeah. All right, so that's that's all I've got. What, what, what was the other thing you wanted to talk All right, about? I want to talk about the Phase 5 for okay. the MCU. This is the first movie right. in Phase 5. Okay. So I kind of wanted to go through. I did some research on what is coming up. So we could talk about that a little bit. Okay. All right. So then, and this is movies and TV series. TV series will premiere on the Disney Plus platform, obviously, just like they have previously. Right. So what's coming up after this is actually a TV series called Secret Invasion. This is a series oh, yeah. that has Nick Fury and Talos. The Skrulls. Um, yeah. They ben team Mendelsohn, up I think. And yeah, it has to do with the Skrulls. Yeah. After that, we have Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This is where we will say goodbye to this team of, of, of MCU characters here. This is their last film together. 
So they're not making any more Guardians movies, and they're not making any more movies with Rocket or any of these people. Like it. Now they might pull some of the characters, I suppose, into other things. But as far as just the Guardians of the Galaxy, it hmm. sounds like this is the last one planned. Okay. Now, obviously, they could change that, but as of right now, that sounds like the last one. Sure. Yeah. The next one is a TV series. It's a spinoff from Hawkeye called Echo. Oh God. This is the one that they're giving to the the terrible actress from the Daredevil or the uh, Hawkeye series. She was the one that was deaf? Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. She's so bad. After that, we have Loki season two. Meh. I'm lukewarm on Loki. I'm lukewarm. (laughs) After that, we have the movie The Marvels. This is directed by Nia DaCosta. I'm I'm ready for this one. Yeah, I'm ready for this one. I knew you'd be excited for that because I knew you enjoyed her films. Yes, I do. Then we have Blade, where we have... uh, Reinvention of Blade here with Mahershala Ali. Yes. I think he is a fantastic actor. I really liked Blade from before. I'm hoping they do this justice. I think they will. I, but I'm think, excited to see this acting because he's, yeah. he's very good. He's very, very good. Do, they, do, they, do you have any info on who they have for directing it now? Because it's um, gone through a couple of iterations. I think there was some information out. I didn't type it down. Though. I, gotcha. I just picked up a okay. little a few little tidbits on these. Gotcha. Okay. Then we're going to go to the TV series, Ironheart, that is going to feature the character Riri Williams, which we met her in the Wakanda forever. Yep. The black Panther movie that just came out. Yep. And then another TV series, Agatha coven of chaos (laughs) spinoff from WandaVision. Now the actress that played Agatha, I think she did great. Yeah. Catherine. And I am kind of excited to see this because she's she's fun to watch. Yeah. She's very, very good. actress. Now this is all in 2023 yet. This is all coming out. In 2023. Good. 2024, we continue with Phase 5, another TV show, Daredevil Born Again. We get Charlie Cox back in, and Vincent D'Onofrio is coming back as Kingpin. Ooh, they're bringing Kingpin back. They are. The two actors there, they're bringing back. Interesting. After that, we have another TV series, Captain America, New World Order. Wait, that's a TV series? It was supposed to be a movie. I think it's a TV series. That's bullshit. They should let... No, that sucks. If that's the case, now, I could I'm, be I'm wrong. Upset. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like say for sure. But I thought they said it was on Disney Plus, oh. which I think those are typically TV series. Right? Yeah, man, they better give him a theatrical. Re- okay, Sam Wilson is Captain America, guys. They've got to get that. Okay, okay. Now, what's after that? I'm gonna have to look that up because now I'm starting to second guess myself. Mm. Uh, and after that, we have Thunderbolts. The movie Thunderbolts. The movie Thunderbolts. That's gonna be interesting. That I- is the end of Phase Five. Okay. The beginning of Phase 6 is Fantastic Four. So Fantastic Four is Phase 6. Okay. They are going to open Phase 6. So wait, so no Avengers movie. No phase Avengers, five. it comes in Phase 6. So Phase 6 is going to end with two Avengers movies then. We're going to get Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Because I know that they follow each other. One follows the other, I guess. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Because I remember right after Fantastic Four is some kind of Avenger something. Hmm. That's um, probably, it's probably the King Dynasty then. And then, and then obviously there's other stuff. But I didn't want to go all the way through phase six. I just kind of wanted to cover phase five because we just started phase five here. Gotcha. Okay. But there is a lot to come out here in 2023 yet. We've got yeah, that's one, a lot two, of content. three, four... Five TV series and one to three movies. Wow. That is that is a lot. That's a lot. Now, a when lot. I go do my Marvel MCU rewatches, man, this is going to start taking me a whole year to rewatch this stuff. This is... Okay, so we talked about this when you did this the last time. Mm-hmm. I 
you know, I'm a lifelong comic reader. Uh, and anybody that listens to the show knows that I am. And here's the thing. I don't read every single Marvel comic that comes out. Mm-hmm. I don't. Nobody does. Well, nobody in their right mind does. <laughs> and anybody who does would probably become a supervillain from all the knowledge that they would have gained, right? They're yeah. just like, that would be that would be the perfect supervillain, the guy who's absorbed like all the Marvel comics of every month and every <laughs> week they read everything. Right. Nobody in their right mind reads every Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. And most of us, most people, we pick and choose what we're going to read. Like I said before, Hulk, Spider-Man, X-Men. Those were my trinity. Those were the ones that I read. You know, and back then there was only one X-Men comic. Now there's umpteen million. Mm-hmm. Even in 1991, there were only two. There were also multiple Spider-Man comics. There was, then there was only one Hulk. But, but my point is you pick and you choose the things that you want to read. If you're lucky enough to have a sibling that also reads comics, you may be able to like, hey, you want to read some of my Hulk? I'll, can I can read some of your Avengers comics? You know, you, you switch back and forth. There's some things that you want to read for a while and you'll drop it. Because they're continuing like soap opera-y things, there's just so much time that you have to invest in all of it. Mm-hmm. The MCU is getting big enough now where I think people are going to be able to start Picking and choosing what they're going to enjoy. Picking think, and choosing what I they're going to they watch. I think they will. So what I did with this being tax season, what I like to do when I'm not in appointments and I'm not working on overly complicated things, so I'm more like doing light reviews, e-filing, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. I will put on something in the background. And I like to pick something that I don't have to pay attention to that I'm just kind of listening to. Right. And so... Second week of January, I was like, I'm going to take on the task (laughs) of watching the MCU from Iron Man all the way through Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Now, you rewatched Incredible Hulk in there too, right? I didn't. So you do agree that it is part of the MCU? I think so. And I am up to She-Hulk. I am almost done. I've got She-Hulk and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, because then Ant-Man comes after that. Right. And... On this rewatch, I definitely have movies that I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to watch this again. This wasn't very good. Right. There's TV series that I kind of feel the same way. And so I 100% agree with you that there's that's going to happen. Now, I don't know what possessed me to do this. I just thought it's Madness. a long... Well, <laughs> what happens for me is the indecision factor that right, sure. I can't decide what to watch. And I thought that's going to give me a long time of stuff that I don't have to decide what to watch because I'm just going to put on the next thing. <laughs> right, right, um, and right. that works great for me when, I'm, when, I, when I get decision fatigue. But I agree with you. I, I just... There's like Eternals. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to watch it. And I think I even gave that a rent rating yeah, uh, when yeah. we were there. I think we were really high on it when it came out. And I've seen it twice now. Yeah. The second time I'm like, this is just kind of blah. Yeah. It's yep. just, there's nothing much to it. Yeah. So just as an example, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. There's stuff people are going to start skipping if they're going to go back and rewatch this. I mean, I'm already there. I'm skipping the rest of Moon Knight. I don't care. I didn't watch the Guardians holiday special. I don't care. The Moon Knight was a tough watch for me, too. That one, I love the actor that's in it. I Oscar thought, Isaac, yeah. I thought he did great, but the story was really hard to follow. Now, granted, I'm watching it on the side, not really paying attention to <laughs> yeah. it, so that's probably a big on me why I didn't get it. But right, right. I don't know. It was, it was a different story. Anyways... 
completely gotten off track. No, we're on track. This is what we're talking about. (laughs) No, because, okay, so here's the thing. We talk about movies, and this is is a big thing. Marvel Marvel is not a small time commitment if you're planning on watching everything. So I think it bears discussing. I think it bears discussing. So I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I think even our audience is probably going to think to themselves, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of on the same... The same page. I'm already there. I'm already there with this. I, I There's just stuff that I'm not even going to bother. I'm right. not even going to bother with some of this stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty know? sure next year when I do the rewatch again, I'm going to just skip over some of this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, watch the ones that I like or even the ones that I think are mediocre. Yep. And everything I think is boring. Just going to not even bother with it. I mean, like there's going to be a couple Thor movies that I'll watch, a couple that I won't, mm-hmm. you know? They're yeah. just, it just is the way it is. You know, I'll, I might even skip over age of Ultron. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of it is you can go back and you can watch one of them without having to watch all of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let us bring out our, let us bring out the verdict. Keep her into a race, Jennifer, and tell me why. Boy, oh boy, I haven't even thought about this yet. I'm going to go with a gut feeling of a high rent on this. Okay. I enjoyed it. I do have a feeling that on a rewatch, I might not enjoy it as much. Like that Modoc thing was kind of weird for me. Yeah. yeah. But that's really the only thing that was kind of really weird. Most of the rest of it I liked. And I've talked to you about this before too. Like some of these new releases that I've only watched once, it's hard to do this. Right. Keep Rent Erase. Because sometimes you need time to sit and think about it. And sometimes you need to watch it a second time just to really solidify what do I think about this movie? Yeah, well, that is um, the burden that we have thrown upon our backs. <laughs> For you, the listener, we will make these snap judgments. Yeah. So my first instinct, I'm going to go with a high rent. I think it's worth watching, especially if you're an MCU fan. Definitely go watch it. When I watch it the second time, then I'll decide for myself if it okay. would be a keeper or rent. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair How enough. How about you? I'm going to probably surprise you with this, but I'm going to go with a low keep. Okay. And I think the thing that really saves this is Jonathan Majors. And we didn't talk about this very much except for at the very beginning of this, but he is, he has a screen presence that I haven't seen in years. The, the, the man walks into a room and he commands the room. He's very, very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's not given a ton to work with, but what he's given and what he does with, the, what, what he does with what he's given is pretty damn fantastic. I really like him. I can't wait to see more of him. I'm going to definitely see Creed 3 anyway, but I mean, now that I know he's in it, I'm I'm even more excited to see Creed 3. I mm-hmm. like Michael B. Jordan. Now we've got Jonathan Majors in there. That's two fantastic actors in one movie. I'm in, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I think that's what really pushes this from the rent category to the keep category for me. It is a low keep, but it is a keep. It's a low key. <laughs> But yeah, so there we have it. So there we have it, right? right. So now, what are we doing next week? All right, we are going to do the next movie in our Be Kind Rewind series. We're going to cover Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ooh, Close Encounters. Now you, if I'm not mistaken, you have not seen this movie, correct? Correct. Oh boy. Okay, so I think you're in for a treat. We'll see what you think by the time we're done with this. But then again, I am a Spielberg loyalist, so it's tough to take me at face value. Here we have, again, the situation where we were just talking about earlier in the in this episode, where I think these are good movies, but they're not all good movies. 
I enjoy these movies. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see how you feel about Close Encounters by the time we get to it. All right, we will. Next week, right here on the couch, Richard Dreyfus Again? Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.